0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Quirks of Creation. We have a surprise episode for you tonight, and we are so excited to have you here, and we're excited to have PJ and Abby from Conspiracy Pilled. So welcome, guys. Hi.
1: Hey, thanks for having
0: us. <laughs>
2: Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. Long-time
1: listener, first-time caller. <laughs> yeah. That's, no. That's amazing. No. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we have finally gotten everything. Knock on wood, everything put together yeah, really? and no issues. <laughs> so we're here and we're doing it.
1: I feel we're like we had to do, do a surprise stream to surprise the the tech demons, so they wouldn't know yes. to come after us. Yeah, and then they still Except almost they got us. Yeah, they did
3: almost. Yeah, it was crazy. Like Abby had issues. Mm. My second monitor just like killed itself, allegedly. Right, so. <laughs> <laughs> It is, it, yeah. It's well, did it
1: hang itself from a tree and then shoot itself in the chest with a shotgun
3: in the back of the head?
1: Three times, three yeah. times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. The Clintons are not happy with this episode.
4: Definitely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. So, finally, we get to talk about the Shroud of Turin. Yeah, We're super, super dope. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna start out. Tonight, with talking a little bit about the history, and then Jess is going to talk about the science behind all of this. PJ and Abby are going to jump in with their conspiracy theories. Surprise, surprise.
1: <laughs> the Shroud of Turn is turning the freaking frogs gay. Okay. <laughs> Do it. Do you understand that? Interdimensional space ghost demons are turning the Shroud of Turn gay.
0: <laughs> I think your impression is getting better and better. <laughs> I, I,
3: think I, think I was thinking about
0: this,
1: this yesterday. Though. I feel like for Halloween I need to do an entire episode as Alex Jones.
4: Oh. oh yeah. Okay. You you play Alex Jones on that episode and I'll do I'll do my Russian um oh, agent. <laughs> yes! yes and it'll be great.
3: Your Russian accent is so good. Thanks. I've definitely
4: heard that it's really bad, but <laughs> it's very kind of you.
0: <laughs> I'm excited for it. It'll be good. All right. And I think we also promised to uh, uh PJ and I would fight at some point since oh, we are oh, here together. So I love it.
1: We have to have I'm some sure. sibling rivalry going on, I'm right? I'm sure
0: that'll happen like organically. So
1: yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm telling mom though. <laughs>
0: I'm closer.
1: I'll tell her. Damn first. it. <laughs> ah.
0: All right. So we'll jump into it. Um Shroud of Turin. I don't know if anybody's heard of this before.
3: It's like a cloth or something.
0: So, something, something. Know, people are like, yeah, it's got somebody's face on it, whatever.
1: I thought it was an old, old wooden ship from the Civil War era. <laughs> I knew it.
0: I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yes. Uh, basically, so the shroud is this long, rectangular, rectangle shaped cloth. It's like 14 and a half feet long, three and a half feet wide. There's a faint but visible outline. I don't yeah. know how you would describe it. Yeah.
3: It really is so faint. It only penetrates the fabric about 200 to 500 nanometers. That is smaller than the width of the hair. Yeah. Insane. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So the, the image only penetrates the fabric. Yep. That little,
3: that small. It, it Like you can't see it on the back. It doesn't even penetrate the whole top cloth.
4: Yeah. So it's not like a mess of blood and stuff Mm-mm. that got, because that's what I always thought it was, that you're like, I'm like, you found a bloody cloth in Israel and you decided it was this, it was <laughs> Jesus, like, okay. right? That's what I always thought it was.
0: I did too. I was, if this was right. always one where, I don't know why, but when I first, when it first started getting popular, I guess, or when I first started hearing about it, I was like, Whatever. I don't you know, there's all this conspiracy. Is it real? Is it is it not? And whatever. And I was like, eh, I don't care.
1: <laughs> I just ignored it's, it. it. It's funny because I did the same thing. I think it was probably around the time we started Conspiracy Pilled. I was watching uh what's that old show with Robert with Robert Stack or whatever? Um I'm totally blanking on it. Unsolved Mysteries.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was watching Unsolved Mysteries and it was just a, a clear cut like this thing is totally fake. No reason to, you know, move on, whatever. And I was just like, ah, it would make that interesting of a conspiracy pilled show. And then it was the uh, Ark of the Covenant. I was like, well, let's throw in the Shroud of Turin in there as well. So I started researching both, and I was like, oh my gosh, the Shroud of Turin thing is way too big to put into like a side note of this one episode. And I think I spent weeks or a month going back and forth. And this is definitely real. To this is definitely fake. This is definitely <laughs> real, and. It's super. I'm, I'm excited to be able to talk about it because I feel like what I came across. I was curious if you guys did. Was it felt like each side was operating on a totally different set of mm. facts, and yes. it depended on who you listened to. What was absolutely gospel truth about this thing? What was the scientific facts about it? And then what was? And then somebody else is like, no, it's actually this, this, and this, and this is the facts. I'm like, right. Well, which one? What's like? What are the facts? Even it can't be all of. It. of yeah. yeah that was the hardest thing to get down to is like, what is actually true about this?
0: Yeah. Agreed. And it depends on where you're coming from. And I don't know, I I guess at the end of this, everybody will kind of be able to make their own. Yeah. Yeah. See, and Abby's kind of our, um, control maybe. I don't know. She's, uh, does that you know.
1: call an FBI agent you control?
0: <laughs> control. She's there wasn't our any sneaky thing there. I, I represent the people
4: who know nothing <laughs> about this topic. Yes. <laughs> I bring ignorance
0: to the table. <laughs> My favorite. I do that every other week with Jess. So, <laughs> yeah. Yay. I have somebody to <laughs> ask the questions. That's right. Yes, exactly. So, that's kind of perfect. We'll see how everybody's feeling at the end of this. I'm
3: useful, I promise. Oh, she, she is so- useful. She has a secret segment planned. I do have a secret segment that I definitely researched two seconds ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yay! It's good though. It's going to be good. It is. I'm excited. Right. Please but carry yes. on. <laughs> but what I'm well, I'm going to start with like what were the Jewish burial customs, because just to kind of get us in that frame of reference so we kind of understand what this, where this came from to begin with.
2: Sure.
0: So the Gospel of John tells us that Jesus was buried according to Jewish custom. John 19, 38 through 40 states, Later, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus, Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, taking Jesus's body. The two of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. So um, we kind of touched on this. In our last episode, Jess, about, like, mm-hmm. top 10 biblical archaeological finds. And I didn't know oh. much about Jewish burial customs. Again, one of those things you just, like, read right. over, like, okay, cool. They they put them in the tomb. Moving on. So <laughs> um, at the time, basically, they would close the eyes and mouth. The body was washed with different fragrant oils, like it said, aloe, right. myrrh. And others, After the body was washed, wrapped in cloth, and the body would then be carried from the family home to the family tomb, where immediate family members would lay the body in the tomb while everyone else waited outside. Uh, Sometimes they'd place personal effects in the tomb. There would be lamenting and eulogies given outside the tomb. Um, Some tombs that they've found had, like, seating on the outside, to just kind of back this up, but... There would be seven days of mourning for the family unless it was a parent, and that was a little bit different, but we won't go into all of that. It was just, that was a gist of what was typically done. Now, obviously, not much of this was done for Jesus except that he was washed, placed in the tomb, the oils and so on.
3: I think that's important to point out how this is not a lot of blood on the Shroud of Turin because he was washed before he was placed in the tomb. That was always that was, my question. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. That was also the, the detractors point is they're like, well, look, it doesn't make any sense. The shroud of turn thing to be covered in blood. They would have washed him. They talked about the customs and things like that. And yeah, I mean, I I'll, I mean, you kind of already hinted at this in the beginning, but it, it's it can't possibly be blood the right. way that it, it, it doesn't soak through. I mean, if it was any type of paint or oil or blood or whatever, it wouldn't just be a, a hair's breadth. Thick on the top of like top right. surface of this thing so I feel like that's a, a, interesting to just get out of the way is like there's this huge debate that happens between like this guy looks at it and it's definitely paint and here's the paint pigments which couldn't yep. possibly be right. true and then this guy looks at it and says no it's definitely blood and I find that was the most confusing part of this to me is you got like I said totally different sets of facts and the one fact that everybody agrees on is that it can't be either one anyway right so that whole debate <laughs> that went on for decades didn't matter
3: right
4: Yeah, you got to you got to stay away from the important pieces. You got to stay away (laughs) from the scary stuff. Got to find something else to talk about. Look away. Look away. Isn't this the case though that even in something that is talked about a lot, right? Mm -hmm. People talk about the red herrings more than the
0: core issue that it turns on.
1: That is what so much of this is, though, isn't it? Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, because I think we could sit here, and I know Jess will get into all of this, but we could sit here and debate back and forth all of these little things. But the crux of all of it. We'll get to, but there's, yes. you know. There's the, a crux. Yeah. The crux. Uh, Yeah. The crux? yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. Do they do? Now. No. <laughs> we'll forgive that's you. That's why you're here.
1: <laughs> we don't know why she's here. At least it's still trying to figure that out. It's like, yeah, that's why you're here, Abby.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was it. No. I'm always trying to figure stuff out. So. <laughs> uh, but anyway... Oh, can so I ask that you a was question the gist though? Of it. No. You
1: said you said he was wrapped in in uh, strips.
0: That's what it says, um, or at least that's the what the that's what the Bible says. B- about well, the that particular translation, right? Right, that translation exactly.
1: And it's also different, written about differently in John than it is in the Synoptic Gospels, I right. believe too. So yes. like one of the things that I find interesting about the Bible is like the, the, the small parts where people are disagreeing, I feel like actually add to the fact that this was real people trying to recall, like this is what happened. And there's like all the disagreements between any part of the gospel. It's always like these little things that could very easily be, they're not just copying off of the same thing, like telling the same rehearsed story. So there's that argument of, well, was it strips or was it an actual cloth? And I think it, depends on which gospel you read and somebody's you know maybe misremembering or mistranslated as in strips but it's not clear that this was definitely the way it was done is the way i understand it right there was definitely like a mummy with with strips is kind of how i'm thinking about it right well, i can
4: there are three passages in the bible to talk about it would you like me to read the comparisons sure yes okay so i think the first one was already read a little bit this is john from john 19 um Nicodemus comes and takes the body of Jesus by night, um, the myrrh and the aloes. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews.
3: To sort of defend the multiple cloths, there is a second cloth, which we'll talk about a little bit later, called the Sudarium of Oviato. And this is thought to be the cloth that was draped over Jesus's head as he was taken off the cross to preserve his dignity and kind of mop up a lot of that blood so
4: the second one is john 12 23 um nope
1: nope is it not
4: uh, okay it hmm disregard
3: <laughs> strike
4: from it's, the minute it's it it's, <laughs> it's just right No it's it's Jesus talking about unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies it remains alone but I don't know that why that that was included in the list. Um, that's super random of things that are about the burial and then there's Romans 6 that's also talking about the burial from a metaphorical standpoint. So it really is only talked about I thought that there was a passage where
1: but it does say that they were like folded up afterwards, right? right. So, yeah. so yeah. if the translation is cloths, if that's the more like if that's really what it's saying instead of strips, which might just be an English translation that's not perfect, yeah, uh, it could be like you said, this one body right. cloth and then a face mm. cloth.
3: And Reno, it also um,
1: would be weird know. if they're folded up if it was like yeah. strips, like strips. we're thinking like right. two inch strips. That'd right. be kind of odd. Yeah. So.
3: And that's exactly what's pointed out uh, by one of our friends on Rumble. Reno Rob says it also depends on what you mean by a strip. A strip yeah. can be anything from two inches or four feet wide. You know, it just means multiple pieces.
4: So John 20 goes into it further. This is ESV, by the way. I, th- I don't know which okay. translation says strips, but it says cloths in the ESV. So plural. That's what but, I was yeah. saying is
1: strips yeah. is like some, bi- some Bible versions use that, but that's not the word it's translating. It's not strips. It's right. cloths.
4: Right. Yeah. And a lot of the Greek, Greek words are capacious. Yeah. So there's, right. they can mean a lot of different things. They have <clears> a lot of shades, but, um, so Peter goes into the tomb in, in chapter 20 and in stooping to look and he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in and Simon, I'm sorry. John, yeah. John outran Peter. Mm-hmm. He, he sees the cloth lying there doesn't go in then Simon Peter came and following him and went into the tomb he saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus's head not lying with the linen cloth but folded up in a place by itself so right. it's it's kind of interesting that like detail sitting there as if it's important that mm-hmm. the linen cloths are lying there but it's it's like Jesus very carefully folded up his face cloth
3: the face, actually, the face cloth would have been folded up by the family and set to the side because it was no longer needed after the linen cloth was draped over him.
0: Oh. Mm. That makes okay. sense. Okay. Yeah, <laughs>
3: All right. <laughs> just just thing. things that turned up while I was researching <clears throat> that yeah. were claimed. I can't prove that that's true, but that's what they
0: said tradition was. Jesus yeah. was just very tidy and he, you yeah. know, was resurrected and he's like, I'm just going to clean this up before I go.
1: Leave the place better than I found it. Yeah.
0: Right. So, but the Shroud of Turin is of the whole body. Right. It's one And that's big
3: that whole linen cloth that was draped over him.
4: Yeah. Okay. So it's already feels like it's not matching up with very specific details that are in the Bible mm-hmm. for a reason,
0: but. Okay. I don't have like a picture of the shroud available, oh, so you. I'm just gonna. Okay. I was like, I'm just gonna find one real quick so we can.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say we should. We should have that That's, up on the screen. I'll, I'll get one.
0: <laughs> That's just silly. That. Why would we do that?
3: You're crazy. Who would show it's the just, shroud of Turin? I thought I had one literally about. at the very top, and I didn't. <laughs>
1: Most It's weird because when you look it up, you mostly get the x-ray image of yep. it or the yeah, negative of it. You don't actually
3: get the shroud itself.
1: <clears throat> but here, I will open up the... I found one that's just okay. the shroud.
0: Oh, perfect. Okay. You're awesome.
1: Oh, well. Nope, maybe. I got
0: one. Here. Please stand by.
3: Okay. The things this- you miss out on, audio listeners.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you see how faint it is.
1: Yes. In this Extremely picture. Extremely faint.
0: Yeah. But you can, huh. you know, you can see his arms crossed where the legs would be. And obviously the, the face is not as faint, but it's still mm-hmm. very faint. Um, we'll get into the negative more later. Right, Jet? Like, I'm not going to show that, I don't think, right now. Okay. The negative image. Unless you guys want me to, because I can. But. No,
1: it's all right. Keep going with what you're you're talking about.
0: Okay. But that's... That's what it looks like, naked eye, looking at it. So, uh, back to just Jewish burial customs. Uh, <laughs> I should have looked that up more, like the that one key that I had, because, you know, strips and cloth and, yeah. <laughs> but we got it. We anyway. Got it. But we got it. We got it. Um, There are several references made in the Bible, obviously, uh, mostly in the New Testament as to what this custom was. Like, so with Lazarus, Mm. um, let's see, John 11, 43 through 44. So Jesus called in the loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go.
4: So, that's where you get the strips from. Right. So, uh, yeah.
0: So, one thing with that, too, uh, and what I was reading, is they would wrap more so the arms and the legs, mm. not like the whole body. So, it wasn't, uh, you know, we think more of like mummies, <coughs> mummification kind yeah, of yeah. with the strips of linen. But it it wasn't really like that. It was more the arms and the legs. And like with Lazarus, I think it pretty much just… A cloth around his face. So, right. um, <clears throat> so, this shows that burial clothes were typical. In Mark chapter 5, there's the story of Jairus' daughter, and the funeral preparations began right away. So, again, Jess and I talked about this more on last week's episode, Friday's episode. But according to Jewish law, you had eight hours to bury the dead. But and then some people make the argument that it's also because they were superstitious. And if you didn't bury them by nightfall, you could be cursed. We both came to the conclusion and I just said it. And I think she's right. Like it's probably more like we don't really have a way to preserve these bodies. Mm-hmm. So once it's confirmed that they're deceased, let's get a move on, get, go- get going. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, um, but though that's, that's the gist of it with the at least in the beginning. So again, the the closing the eyes, washing things like that. The shroud is I don't know how common. Again, it's it's kind of up to interpretation a bit as far as if it was a full cloth that's put over them or just the face. I don't know. Right. Right. But but it it's not um Crazy to think that there could have been a full cloth placed over him. Right. A sure. full body cloth. Yeah. Um, So, the, the story of how the Shroud got around <laughs> or got from there to Turin now is really long. <laughs> and I will try really hard to make this fast, but there are good points in here that to point out throughout the, throughout this thing. So, how did it get from Jerusalem to Italy? And, and also, could it have impacted the testing that they've done? Mm, right, I yeah. Think, I think so. <laughs> Personally, I think so. But we'll get into it. So, today, we know that the Shroud is located at the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist in Turin, Italy, the written historical account doesn't officially start until 1354 with a famed knight named Geoffrey de Charnay. Officially, it's not really known how he came to have the shroud, just a lot of speculation. Sure. Um, all we really know, sorry, is that around that time, the shroud was deposited in a small church he'd built in Leary, France in honor of the Virgin Mary. The story from here. Like I said, it could go on forever, but the basic flow is this. After Geoffrey de Charnay, it went to his, went throughout the family. And his granddaughter, Marguerite, gave the shroud to the House of Savoy in Chambury, France in 1453. It survived a fire and water damage in 1532, which I'll get into in a minute, and was moved to Turin in 1578, where it has only been publicly exhibited rarely, uh, before it was moved to Turin, previous owners would parade it around and show it to people like left, right and sideways like it was yeah. to influence the right. wealthy. It was like, look at what we have. Look at this cool cloth with a dude on it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they weren't necessarily respectful with it, but it was definitely like uh, "Ta-da!" All, of, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's how like um, Jeffrey de Charnay, him and his family made money <laughs> was by charging people to come see this.
1: And well, there uh, there was like a whole trade in this during yeah. this time as well. Yeah. Like people were selling artifacts that were supposedly like the Crown of Thorns or this. There was other uh, burial shrouds that were uh, paraded around. There was a whole like black market trade for his, historical relics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah especially ones related to to Jesus
0: yeah right. yeah so not unheard of but definitely um, big money maker for him yeah <laughs> lucky them uh, but you know what's not shrouded in mystery you guys
1: <laughs> what's that
0: <laughs> North arrow coffee <laughs> so good <laughs> 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 this delicious coffee that we all know and love is. Roast to order. Uh, I love that Abby always has a bag ready to go. Me too. Definitely you, a bag filled with real coffee grounds. Yeah. Coffee grounds. It's definitely
4: beans. And not, no. <laughs> I, I wouldn't keep a perfectly good bag of North Arrow on my desk. Not being used. I drank it. And this is, it's filled with pinto
0: beans. <laughs> like a normal person. Like a normal person. Obviously. <laughs> 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 You can't just let those beans sit around and go to waste. That's right. No. Definitely not. <laughs> but anyway, 15% of all their proceeds go to uh pro-life charities, and if you go to northarrowcoffee.com, you get use quirks10 for 10% off of your next order. Cheers. Cheers, guys. I
3: love it. That was a great segue. <laughs> Happy heard. with her cup of water. I wanted DJ the with ad with to giant
4: be monster. <laughs> <clears throat> i wanted the ad to be pj woke up 20 percent 20 minutes before uh, this episode i did shut up i did <laughs> he's yeah. not allowed to talk until he's finished his coffee <laughs>
1: too bad oh. talking anyway too bad i'm <sighs> here
3: i just realized that's a tumbler and not an energy drink me yeah you oh
1: this whole time yeah yeah Coffee. There's
3: just so much writing on it. It looks like the nutrition it was a label. Gift.
1: It, it was a gift from my mom. <laughs> oh, okay. So
0: he's sucking you know. up to her, so she'll take his side after yes. this whole thing. Uh, yes,
1: <laughs> Mama, if you're watching this, <laughs> just remember which one of us loves you more. That's right. Yeah,
3: <laughs> but you know who doesn't love you, and that's
1: you. <laughs> All of you. <laughs> the reptilian uh, overlords. They they don't love me.
3: <laughs>
1: They're out to get me.
0: <laughs>
3: well obviously obviously yeah. the reptilian overlords clearly work for youtube and they hate you and <laughs> <in> your guts <laughs> which is why we don't want to give them any money so hashtag demonetize youtube join us over on rumble and odyssey to get the full length of this show it'll be a good time because we still got tons more to get to <laughs>
0: Just scratch the surface.
3: I know. We literally have a whole show. So if you want to get the whole show, go over to Rumble and Odyssey. Of course, audio listeners will still get the majority of this episode, but can't wait to see you guys over there.
1: YouTube is uh, possessed by the demonic spirits that <laughs> demonic spirits that uh, in an orgy of uh, blood rituals created Hillary Clinton. Go look it up. Google it. I'm not making it up, people.
3: <laughs> how, how do you work with this guy, Abby? <laughs> um
1: I don't know. <laughs> she,
4: she can't even
3: respond. She's like, I don't know. She's literally speechless.
4: Yeah, if any it, literally, anyone would like to be my new co-host.
3: <laughs> 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 I think my golden retriever is looking for a job. I'll take him. <laughs> I'll take him. There you go.
1: Now ah. I'm I'm seeing Silent Hill 2 again. It's the, it's the dog sitting at the controls. There we go. Oh, uh, we're off I'm topic. Where were we at? Yeah.
0: to anyway. turn. So. That's like the official story, blah, 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 <laughs> but here's where, not so official, maybe this is where it came from. So before this, several unverified stories of the cloth are everywhere, and they're thought to be the Shroud of Turin. There is a Syrian text translated around 300 CE that tells the story of King Abgar V, who reigned in Edessa, which is now in southern Turkey, around 13 to 50 CE. Um, he was suffering from leprosy and sent an emissary to ask Jesus to come and heal him. And Jesus responded like, dude, I ain't got time for that. And he couldn't. do nobody
1: got time for that.
0: <laughs> dude, I ain't got time for that. Whatever. <laughs> but he said that he would send a disciple in his place. Um, the disciples didn't make the trip until after Jesus's death and resurrection. Um, apparently Jude arrived with a cloth that had the image of Jesus upon it. And according to the story, as soon as King Agbar abgar excuse me saw the cloth he was healed um oh. yeah can I get he, some of that? right right yeah just go to turn see if they'll let you touch it yeah. real quick yeah right. right
1: i'm sure that'll happen
0: yeah can yeah. i just i just wanna no okay <laughs> um so after this He converted to Christianity, and Edessa was officially a Christian kingdom during his reign. Mm -hmm. His son Manu, when he took over, said, uh, no, and converted the kingdom back to paganism. (laughs) (laughs) So he didn't just say no. He was like, uh, no. And uh, Christianity was outlawed, and Christians either fled, went underground, or they were executed. Ouch. Yeah, so I don't think he liked what his dad did. But at the time, the shroud was called the image of Edessa, and it was thought to have been lost like during this time, this purge, because there was no mention of it again for 500 years. But then so qu- quick
1: question no. about those <clears throat> those stories, whether they're real or not, they yeah. they do predate 1350,
0: though, right? Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah.
1: yeah. I just want to make sure because like there was talk of this thing. Yes. Before the thirteen fifties, which yeah. is one thing that I don't think ever gets brought up in, in these shows.
0: No. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. There was you're right. That's like, a great the, point. Like the
1: idea is just that in the thirteen hundreds or whatever, there was this black market trade, and yeah. they're like, Let's come up with ideas of this this thing that probably didn't exist, but it actually does have at least some whether whether it's right. the same cloth or real or not, there is at least some predating idea of it.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Again, this was around 50 CE. Yeah. So the at least the idea of this has been around can, for a very
1: long time. Can I can I point out why I think that's interesting though? Because yes. if if this is 50 C 50 CE or whatever 50 AD, I hate using CE. Um,
0: <laughs> I I usually don't.
1: <laughs> I know. So if if that's true, then this this is another argument that constantly gets used for other parts of the Bible. Like people would have been around that would have been like, yeah, that's not how things work. There was no singular cloth, right? Right. Right. So I'm just saying if the story is around during the same time that they're burying people in a certain way, I feel like people would have said, no, it was to- it was two inch strips.
0: Right, right, right.
1: That's all that's all I wanted to
0: point. Yeah, out. it would have been uncommon, obviously. It would have been a weird
1: enough story, people would have went, That's that didn't happen, right? Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. What they just did that for Jesus? No. Apparently. Right. You know. Good point. Um so yeah, after his son took over and everything was kind of like all the Christianity and all the Christian relics, anything. that was just all gotten rid of. Um, so there's no mention of it again for 500 years, but then it reappears. And there are several, several stories that tell about this as well. So around 525, there was this devastating flood in Edessa that killed a third of the population. And afterwards, as the city was rebuilt, the shroud was found tucked into a crack high up on this like wall, this damaged West gate. Um, it was high enough to have been protected by the flooding, so somebody had to like get up there and tuck this in to hide it, and it was kept safe. If all these stories are true, you see it a lot that um this this thing just keeps getting saved time and time and time again
1: yeah, yeah was this was this in the Byzantine Empire that you're talking about?
0: Mm, I think it was no okay, not yet. It, it gets okay. there.
1: I didn't want to cut you off on that because no. I didn't know if we were going to get into the whole Byzantine Empire's depictions of this thing.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Okay.
0: So, flood reappeared in five forty four. My eye.
1: Oh no! <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry.
0: PJ's just going to be <laughs> winking it through the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, five forty four. Odessa was attacked by Persia. One story says the shroud was used against the Persians. Like they held it up on the, on the gate. And once Mm -hmm. the Persians saw it, they just ran away. Like they were terrified, Uh, but that was it. And then there was no mention of it again until 943 AD. Byzantine emperor Lagapenos wanted the cloth brought to Constantinople to be used to help him expand the Byzantine empire. Mm. So, it was obviously known, even though there's no real um, physical record of it.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: He knew it was there, and he um, he offered twelve thousand pieces of silver, and also offered to release two hundred prisoners, as well as promising to leave Edessa alone during his conquest. So Edessa accepted, and the shroud was sent to Constantinople in nine forty four. For 200 years, it was kept there and only brought out on rare occasions. In 12, I'll come back to the Byzantine Empire. I'm just going to get through this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, in 1204, Constantinople was attacked by France during the Fourth Crusade. Very little is said again, but what is said is that the shroud was protected by the Knights Templar. And this is super fascinating, but I didn't go in depth because there is so much to talk about. <laughs> but, um, it said the shroud was protected by the Knights Templar in the 11th and 12th centuries. There was a falling out between the Catholic Church and the Knights Templar. Pope Clement V went after the knights who continued to uphold the practices of the knights, and some were burned at the stake. Mm. One of these was Geoffrey de Charnay, de Charnay, who was act- of Normandy. He was actually the uncle of the other Geoffrey who found this in his church. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. But the story goes that the uncle, Jeffrey, who was burned at the stake, somehow got it to his nep- nephew. And his nephew kept it safe in the church where he was built. Yada, yada, yada. So, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. <laughs> it's a long story. Right. <laughs> kind of goes full circle. I don't know. It's just, there's so much more in that, but I wanted to read the highlights. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of thought. the thought behind where, how it got where it is. Well, who?
1: <clears throat> Can we talk about the Byzantine Empire for a second? No. No? Okay.
0: Yes. Go for it. If you All have it. Right, so right.
1: let, me, let me pull up some images of, okay. of the, yeah. the thing. So it was the, correct me if I'm wrong. What do you have in your notes when, what year it was where they took the photo of it and then it, the guy noticed the x-ray image of it, like really showed detail? like way more right. than oh. was it the 1960s or the 1860s it was like an old old photo something no, like that yeah
0: it wasn't night it was
1: 18 18 something
0: 60s or right. 70s
1: yes i don't the- i don't have the guy's name in my notes but this guy took a photo of the shot of turn for the first time and as he was going to develop the photos he noticed the negatives really really showed off the details in right. a way that was never noticed before again odd to me that this this relic this supposed painting would be most uh, amazing, and it's negative, you know, hundreds right. of years before a thousand years before uh, that was even technology. Um,
4: and, and go ahead, Abby. We're certain that the negatives are authentic, yes, yes,
1: okay. yes, yeah, because they've done it since. Like, right. there's, there's, okay. yeah, more additional question:
4: yes. these, these other markings, the markings that are actually stronger <clears throat> than
1: the image itself, the
4: image, what is that?
1: I don't know, aging. Uh,
3: is it?
4: Could yeah, be
1: fo- of- it's been through a lot. It was in a fire at one point. Yeah. Like there's tons of stuff that's happened to this thing. Yes.
3: Uh, and so, parts of it are actually blood, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. There are small patches that
0: are blood.
1: Yeah. So.
0: The image is not. It was um Sicando Pia who took the first photo in 1898.
1: 1898. Okay. So yes, so Pia took this photo. This is the negative image, and there have been people who have compared this to coins that were being circulated in the Byzantine Empire long time before uh, this. Uh, again, what they claim is the first story of the shot of Turn in 1350s. So this a- image is not perfect. Like there's like a kind of a forked beard. This is maybe not the best image of it. The hair is is got like these things. Their eyes are a bit uneven. There's all of these normal features of of humanity where it's not symmetrical and perfect. And also it'd be Jesus after being beaten to a bloody pulp. So that's not to say that he was um, in
3: the best shape when this,
1: in the best shape when this would have happened. Right. Right. But what people have noticed is that on the Byzantine empire's coins, they had the King on one side, perfect image of this King. And on the back side they had this image of Jesus where his hair was a little bit shorter on one side than the other. And he had a forked beard and his, Eyebrows were a little bit off center of each other, and it was all of these tiny little details showing Jesus is not this. Right. And it, they were a Christian nation, so it's it's weird that if they had to come up with a image to depict Jesus, it wouldn't have been overly perfect, right? Right. So and this is the
0: emperor. Yes. Photo symmetrical, then,
1: perfect looking. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. And that's there the we Lord go.
3: That's crazy. It there looks we go. so close to what's on the shroud. People have
1: pointed out that there are so many minute details that match the shroud that one or the other had to have been taken from that. So either the Byzantine Mm -hmm. Empire's coin was based off of the shroud. There we go. That's even better. Mm -hmm. It was based off the shroud or the shroud was based off the coin. But again, then you'd have to get into how, and that's something to talk about later, how the shroud was ever created in the first place. So to me, it's actually a pretty strong argument just based on statistical data that like to have this many similarities between the two would have been impossible if they weren't referencing each other. One wasn't referencing the other. And again, why you would depict Jesus the way that they did unless they were referencing the shroud of Turin or some similar shroud is, is odd.
0: Right. Yeah. And I'm going to see if I can pull up one more. No, that first, that first one. So I'm sorry, this one. Just a moment. The first one that I showed
1: mm-hmm.
0: is how they were depicting Jesus.
1: Okay. So that's how they're I'm depicting sorry. Jesus in other cultures or in the Byzantine Empire no, before?
0: In the Byzantine Empire. And what is crazy about this whole story is that was just before they would have gotten the shroud. like I. Had and then it changes morning. to look exactly mm. like then, the shroud. Yes. And then it changes. So after they get the shroud, if that story is correct, which this all um, adds up. All then right. it would have looked like this. Then would it have did looked look like exactly like it, the shroud. It did. Yes.
1: That's so that was crazy. before
0: and after yeah. they would have gotten the shroud again, according to that story line. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think that's that, so cool. Yeah. It gives me goosebumps. That part. It does. Like, Ooh. Yeah.
1: Um, cause, cause if, if, again, if this is, if it's a Christian empire, if this is your God, why would you depict him as imperfect? Right. unless you were referencing something right because they didn't de- they, they never depicted kings like that they're never like oh yeah well he's got a wart on his nose so let's He looks that. like he's
0: been punched in the eye
1: yeah but, yeah right? right so
0: nope always tried to make him look their best and mm-hmm. young forever kind of a thing right I mean, that was right. very roman but still same idea right so there was that um that is fascinating. And I do think it lends credence to, again, the, the storyline. Yeah. yeah,
1: The stories um, so often get left out of the debunking of it. You know what yes, I mean? Yes. That agreed. the only reference ever was in the 1300s. There's never any, which just isn't true. You could say that there may be the referencing different shroud or whatever. It's not proof it's the same. But right. to say there's no reference of a shroud, of a burial shroud with his image on it is is not true.
0: Is not right. true. No, it didn't yeah. just magically spring up as an idea in thirteen fifties. So
1: Yeah.
0: Um the fires, really quick. I'll just touch on those because they do, I think they'll come into play later.
1: They will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They
0: will definitely. <laughs> so the fires. In 1502, the Royal House of Savoy placed the shroud in the Saint Chapelle in yeah, Saint Chappelle in Chambéry, France. They put it in a silver container in a cavity enclosed by iron gates and the iron gates had four separate locks Two. um, that's hardcore. Oh yeah. they were <laughs> <definitely>, yeah. <laughs> like, ain't nobody touching this.
3: So, so you- ask the question. It's like, why would they put such high security off of something people could have thought at the time was a forgery?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or could have been replicated, but we'll get it.
1: It's at least proof that they believed it was real. Right. right.
0: Yeah. Either they, they believed t- it was real or they believed enough people believed it was real that mm. it was a, th- a
1: th- Right, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. They had, so four locks, two, lo- two keys, excuse me, were in the church and then two keys were given to the House of Savoy for safekeeping. Makes sense. So it was there for 30 years, but then in 1532 a fire broke out in the chapel. Priests were absolutely frantic because they knew that – right you know, if they didn't get to it, it was going to be totally destroyed. So they grabbed, they're like calling around for a locksmith.
1: <laughs> Call the locksmith. Call the locksmith. Yeah. I was thinking that too.
0: <laughs> yes. I knew it. Somebody okay. tell
1: me the movie reference. Go yeah, ahead.
3: I swear. Nope. Uh, Someone in chat will get it. I Call hope the so.
0: Locksmith.
1: Abby definitely won't get it. So right.
0: I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just <laughs> you, Abby tonight. Like, you're not alone. Obscure movie quotes. anyway, <laughs> But finally, the locksmith came and they pretty much just shoved him into this burning building like, you got to get in there. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> get in there and get this out. And he does, which is incredible to me.
1: Yes, so Swim hook, got it. got it. Robin Hood men in tights. Yes. Go ahead. Okay, sorry. Good job.
0: <laughs> um So they rushed in there, and again, like you want to talk about pressure, like this building (laughs) is burning around you. I can imagine the Mission Impossible
1: music playing in the background of this. Yeah.
3: Exactly.
1: (laughs) 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 All right. We
0: know this is what everybody came here for Mission Impossible music. Absolutely. And obscure movie quotes yep. and weird <laughs> movement by me.
1: And my Alex Jones impressions.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, obviously. <laughs> Definitely not the Shroud of Turin. No, no, not at all. <laughs> we'll
1: get to it. I'm we'll get kidding. there. We'll
0: get there. Uh, no. So he does. He does this. This locksmith is incredible. But probably the fact that his life was on the line anyway. <laughs> might have been a good <laughs> motivation. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, so he retrieves it. And, but while it was in there, the silver was melting, obviously, and some of the remnants had fallen on the shroud. And there was burn marks and water damage, which is still seen on the shroud today. After that, it was moved to Turin, but it still wasn't safe from fire. <laughs> there was another fire in 1997. Uh, luckily, firefighters were able to move fast and retrieve the shroud before there was any damage done to it this time. But two wow. fires. And a flood, and who knows what else. But right, that's my background. It's like, it's like
1: something's trying to destroy this thing. Yeah, yeah. weird,
0: weird, weird. It's
1: I just like, want to point this out too. Um, none of us here are Catholic, and none of us feel like our faith is dependent on believing in this thing. Yes. I've come to believe Agreed. in this in the reality of it through a lot of lot a lot of research that we'll mm-hmm. get into. Uh, mm-hmm. More of it, but yeah, no, like I don't think that any of us are came into this going. We have to find that this to be true. I yeah. did. I believe it was fake for my whole Ever. life, yeah, forever, yes. until very recently Same. because of many, many, many hours of research. I'm like, no, I, I think this is real.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so, agreed.
1: Yeah. And Abby yeah. knows because I was texting her for like weeks going, it's not. It is. It's not. It is." It was,
4: it was so much of like
0: whiplash.
4: I still don't know. It Make I I up
0: don't know your mind. You. <laughs> yeah, and then Abby came into this like not you know, with no, uh, I mean did, yeah.
1: She comes no into every show not opinion. knowing what she's talking
4: about. <laughs> Ouch. It's not like especially the ones I'm presenting.
1: Exactly.
4: <laughs> Uh, that ain't you know your saying. space like, demons. I'm telling you,
0: sort of neutral.
4: So you're all Maybe. leaning on it being real.
1: I am at this point, yes.
4: Mm-hmm. But that there have been times throughout its life where either people didn't treat it like they believed it was real, mm-hmm. or they didn't care if it was real and just used it for money making.
3: Essentially,
1: I think it's possible that it was real and they still used it for money making. Yeah, like, right, let's yeah. just be honest. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly.
0: yeah, yeah. Two things can be true. Yeah, yeah, right. for sure. Right. Right. I don't know, but that's uh, that's my bid. I'm out. <laughs> all right, let's <laughs> get
3: into the good part. Now. No, I'm just kidding. That was actually <laughs> <awesome release. laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but but it's it's it yeah. Elise had to set up all those things yes. because it's going to come Absolutely. into play with so much yeah. of the scientific so evidence much. and why Foundation. it was why. It, honestly, a lot of what you set up is why there's the debates over certain aspects right. of it. Yeah. Yes, for sure.
3: And we really needed that because so much of what I looked into was purely the scientific side. I didn't know the thing about the coins that. That blew my mind. That's crazy.
0: PJ sent that to me and I I didn't know that either. So I was like, oh,
3: yep. I guess PJ is good for something. (laughs) There you go. There you go. All right. So fast forward to 1978 and the Shroud of Turin research project, also known as STIRP, sought to find the scientific explanation for the Shroud of Turin. Um, So this was a massive, massive research project. It involved over 120 hours of consecutive research of the cloth itself. Like these people spent a crazy amount of time just like really digging into what was going on with it. And like we've already mentioned before, I'll just kind of reiterate, (sighs) all of the experiments conducted by STERP involved exposing the cloth to different wavelengths of light. So classic visible light, UV radiation, IR radiation, and just an attempt to understand the composite makeup of the shroud so they couldn't find any pigments no paints no dyes the only organic stains they could find on it were things like water damage fire damage and the little bits of blood that they found
1: can i ask you about that really quick because there was a guy for over a decade that was taken very seriously who who was going around giving talks on this that was saying here's the pigments we found. We found this red pigment number, whatever this white pigment number, whatever, and all this stuff. And obviously it's not true because right, we know yeah. that it couldn't have been paint. And that's all like, everybody's come to that conclusion at this point. But how does that like, that's the most confusing part of this is if you listen to certain people talk about it, like this guy, hundred percent proved that it was these paint pigments that were all common in 1300s. How does this guy get around away with going around saying, I looked at the shroud of Turin and found all these pigments. Like that's the part yeah. that confuses me.
3: The same way, and this, this is one of the things, the reasons I'm so invested in talking about science. It's the same reason people get to lie about science and mm-hmm. get away with it. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> peer-reviewed journals is such a pyramid scheme. Yes. I mean, all you got to do is know the guy who's reviewing your work. And the guy who's reviewing your work has to know you and you guys maybe rub elbows and, oh, you know, maybe we're doing something similar. And it's okay if this gets out into the Lancet and we won't definitely have to retract this later. You know, this has happened so often in science.
1: Isn't it also just people want, like, when they see the headline or the conclusion that they want, that's about as far as some peer reviews go because there was this, sorry, there's this group of guys that went out to prove this and they wrote this article about um, gender swapping dogs in the park or some crap like this. I don't remember the name. I don't remember the title of it. It was something like uh, gender roles of of, uh, transgender dogs in the park. And it was total crap. They wrote it as a satirical joke, but it got peer reviewed and put into these journals and things like that Mm -hmm. because they knew that if it had the buzzwords, it was going to get, you know. All
3: you have to do is have the buzz well, we don't yeah, yeah. we don't want
1: to say that this transgender research was bad or wrong or stupid or whatever, so we'll, we'll go with it, right?
3: Uh, I mean, this was true when I was in graduate school not all that long ago. You just have to have the right phrases so you get the grant so you get accepted by the American Chemical Society journals mm-hmm. like whatever it is. you just have to say it in just the right way so you pull on just the right eyeballs. Yeah doesn't matter if your science is good or not. And that's that's really frustrating. And that's why mm-hmm. I like having multiple sources to pull from because even if even if multiple sources disagree with one another, you can find the kernel of truth in there somewhere, especially when you look at the raw data and what they did experimentally. This is the thing nobody does. Everybody reads the abstract or reads the conclusion and they're like, okay, that's it, I'm done. I'm not gonna sit down and actually look at the IR data for myself. I'm not gonna sit down and look at the microscopy data for myself. Here's the benefit of having an actual chemist on the show. I can read those things, there you go.
0: (laughs) Yes. We
1: they knew you were good it. for something, Jess. I,
3: I went to school for that long for something. Yes.
0: <laughs> we're all here to prove that we're good for something. <laughs> <laughs> Rock, oh. <Hush. laughs> Don't fire me. <laughs> we all have a purpose, I
3: swear. We do all have. Even Abby has a purpose. No, especially. Even Abby. Abby. <laughs> we love you, Abby.
1: We like your article, the your column, Dear Abby. It's It's good stuff. When it's Best awesome, advice it's I've ever given, de-
3: de- A Dear Abby column. I think it needs to happen as soon as people start writing in asking for
4: relationship advice and other things like that. So. Okay, so it's been subtle. Events?
3: If if you want a Dear Abby segment, yes. you need to write in.
4: You have to write letters. let yep. start with Dear physical Abby. letters. I'm doing
3: <laughs> physical letters. No. <laughs>
4: DMs, whatever they are, they have to yeah. start with Dear Abby, though. I'm going to ignore them if they don't start with the Abby,
0: Dear Abby. So. Oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. That's the rule. That's the rule. And you can't sign them with your name. It has to be your issue.
3: Right.
1: Yep. Yes. Yep. There we
0: go. Yeah. Cool.
1: So the shroud. So the shroud. The
3: <laughs> we have not derailed this episode at all. Okay. So no paint. Um, the computer enhancement image, I think, is really interesting, especially doing a VP8 enhancement image because it shows you the three-dimensional nature of the shroud. So I'm going to show this really quickly, because I think this is cool. I mean, Dang. that doesn't look like a 2D image. That looks like a 3D image. Wow. You get so much detail out of that. I just It's think got, it's got really
4: a lot cool. of depth in it. Like if an artist painted this, I would be like, "That's right. very well done." Well, absolutely. Good, good job. <laughs> right?
1: so how Nailed do you get it. a 3d negative image oh sorry we'll get yeah. into it no yeah. yeah
3: yeah how do you get a 3d negative image from the image we see from on an the old straw?
1: painting on a cloth
3: from an old painting on a cloth hmm. well you don't because yeah. you just don't that's not you, just don't. <laughs> you just don't <laughs> that's my scientific take you just don't <laughs>
1: hey you know what that's better than most uh modern science today so
3: Yeah, I mean, they did have to use a VPA image analyzer to show that. So they did have to use some high-tech instrumentation to -hmm. show that. But when you perform the same experiment on like paintings, you don't get that kind of information. So I think it's really interesting that they could only get that information from the shroud. Mm. Yeah. So that's a cool thing. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. (laughs) That's pretty awesome.
1: That's pretty neat.
3: (laughs) That's pretty cool. Um, So we do have clear evidence that the shroud has been in direct contact with the body, which explains certain features like the scourge marks on the forehead as well as some different spots of blood. An X-ray fluorescent study demonstrated uh, that there's no significant high atomic numbers of elements except for iron that appear on the high high, high concentrated blood patches so basically what that comes down to is the i mean we said this already just want to reiterate it with like some scientific backing the image itself like the outline of the man contains no iron only the little patches of blood contain any traceable amounts of iron remember iron is found in blood so Mm -hmm. that that's pretty helpful and conclusive and again this is one of those things that came up in multiple articles so I feel pretty good about that. Uh, and so the argument that the image is the result of an imprint of j- dried blood is just, I mean, that's not, we all know that's not what dried blood looks like.
1: Right. Well, that was, yeah. again, this was the contraction, uh, right. the, the argument, the pro-turn argument in the old, back in the day was this is blood. And then everybody's like, yeah, that's not what blood looks like.
4: No. Right. Well, it's, it would be easy to test for too. Exactly. Right. It's yes. an easily falsifiable claim.
1: Yes. Yeah. But I think that, that that the smart people have moved away from the idea of it being blood. We can get into what it is that created the image later. But like that was the again, there was there was misinformation from disinformation from both sides. There was people claiming this was absolutely all made from blood. And here's conclusive proof. And then there was the ones saying this is paint. And here's conclusive proof and all these other things. And neither one of them made any sense. And
3: you're right. an
0: idiot if you believe one and not the other one.
1: Yeah. Or what's yeah. the place
0: you know, first. Yeah.
3: And I think the real argument
0: for the shroud
3: scientifically came from the carbon dating of it. The original carbon dating of the shroud was so freaking messy. So they originally dated the shroud in 1988 from three different laboratories. So they had the university of Arizona a uh, university from Oxford and some Swiss <clears throat> university. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name because it sounds like you're gagging on something. Um <laughs>
1: but, sorry, uh, Swiss listeners. Yeah,
3: sorry, my bad guys. I can't I just can't.
0: We like
1: your cheese.
0: <laughs> you, know. you know, with the holes and the yeah yeah, taste. <laughs> <laughs> solid,
3: solid cheese. Uh the reason these it's universities. Not solid.
0: Oh okay. it's yeah,
3: you're it. right. It's it's full of yeah. holes. Well, so was their carbon dating data. And we'll get to that. (laughs)
0: Boom. (laughs) Boom. Nice.
3: Roasted. Um, The reason these universities were picked was because of their access to an accelerator mass spectrometer or AMS. That is not a cheap dating technique that is very expensive, very high tech. So they're basically sending it to some of the best and well equipped labs in the world. And the idea was is they they would send it to these three different labs and they they would all come up with the same date and it would all be good because we've tried it three different times, right? Great. Um, And they had two control samples. So this, the control samples were one of the things I took issue with at the very beginning. So one of the samples was a linen that was excavated from a tomb that was carbon dated between the 11th and 12th centuries. And they justified this as a control on the basis that the Islamic embroidered cloth pattern and the Christian ink inscription of this lemon match that time period.
1: So they didn't actually know the date of this. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. I didn't know
1: that part of it. I I I didn't didn't
3: either. Yeah. So don't like that because uh, that's not super verifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, another, the second control was a linen from the Department of Egypt Antiques at the British Museum that was associated with an early second century AD mummy of Cleopatra. Um, this linen was dated by the lab using liquid scintillation counting. So that, that one's a little bit better. It's not relying on carbon. Um, so it gives it an age of about 2000 years. Okay. Give or take. That's a really old linen. It is a really old linen, but their yeah. confidence level was 68%. So they're not even super confident in their take. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
3: Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Um, just to give you guys a little quickie on carbon dating. Uh, and we'll we'll definitely get into this more next week when we do a deep dive into carbon in fossil that records. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Um, but I really wanted to do this episode first because so much of what I'm going to talk about next week relies on what we're talking about today. Um, so the way it works is when cosmic rays, basically energy from the sun or other space energy, reaches the Earth's atmosphere, uh, different chemical and physical interactions within the atmosphere it will produce an isotope of carbon called carbon-14. So most carbon is carbon-12, where carbon has six neutrons, six protons, and six electrons. Carbon-14 just has two extra neutrons, but that means it's a lot denser and makes it rarer. So mm. just naturally the abundance of carbon-14 in any given carbon sample, is about one times 10 to the negative 10th percent, incredibly small. That's tiny. Yeah, super tiny.
2: Yeah.
3: And yeah. and, and just, just to give a estimate of this, if I have a two gram sample of carbon-14, half of that will be gone. So the half-life of carbon-14 uh, is Five thousand seven hundred and thirty years. So I will end up with one gram after five thousand seven hundred thirty years. Gotcha. Okay, so if I had one times ten to the negative tenth, right <laughs> after <laughs> five thousand seven hundred and thirty years, I will have significantly less than that. Gotcha.. Uh, Easily oh. So so we're expected we're expected to believe that they can detect these this trace amount of carbon-14 in these very old samples that have undergone a lot of aging, a lot of decay. Uh, I mean, we do know that living organisms uh, absorb a lot of carbon-14 into their tissue over time, a, a lot relatively speaking to one times 10 to the negative 10. Um, right. But you kind of have to assume a certain amount in the organism after it dies because you only get a decay after it dies. Mhm. So they basically have to figure out how much would have been in the flax of the linen used at the time of death in order to date it.
1: Isn't isn't uh, I know you're going to do a whole episode on carbon dating soon so I'll keep this question short but isn't like a big problem with carbon dating the fact that like they're doing these decay rates based yeah. on us like uh if everything was perfect like if it was in like this yes. certain temperature and this climate and these all these factors are perfect and the problem with carbon dating is it doesn't factor in life it doesn't factor it, in right. weather yeah. and moisture and tons and tons and tons of other things so it's like in a in a <laughs> sterile lab this is the decay rate of this and that right. and the other, yeah. right
3: oh. i i love that you point that out because the people who are all worried that the sun monster is going to kill us because of carbon dioxide, you know if you have elevated levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, that changes the amount of carbon-14 in the samples that you're analyzing. So that means you have to know how much carbon dioxide was in the atmosphere at the time of death in order to get an accurate reading.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's really big guesswork anyway. It, yes. It's, it's like I, it's I, super I I'm super mad. I'm not saying that carbon dating doesn't have a purpose or a use, right. but I feel like the over reliance on it is is so oversimplified, and because yeah. the yes. the regular person just takes it as this is a science and it's a fact and it's a it's a standard, it, they don't think about all of those other factors.
3: I know with more modern radiometric dating, they're trying to account for yeah this extra or lack of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So they're basically trying to create a calibration curve, but that's assuming, you know, the amount of carbon dioxide that was in the atmosphere 2000 years ago.
0: There's Mm -hmm. so many assumptions that have to be made in order for this to make sense or to be accurate even. And that's what, yeah, that's what gets me. Yeah.
1: So Elise talked about the, the fire, right? Yeah. Can I ask or or, or tell me if I'm cutting off where you're going with this? No, you're good. Okay, so I I noticed in looking into this that one of the claims made was you guys were not carbon dating the shroud. You were carbon dating the patches Mm, and what I found most telling about this is the people were saying no, we weren't. There are no patches (laughs) and I find this interesting because their argument wasn't no, we made sure to avoid the patches. Uh, right. They were saying there aren't any, and I actually yep. read the reports, and they were that was the claim: is we couldn't have been carbon dating the patches; there weren't any. But mm-hmm. not only were there patches, the the nuns who who sewed this back together were so meticulous about it that they yeah. actually uh, weave match. Yeah,
3: it's the fishbone invisible it. weave method. Yes. So it yes. was so perfect that you could not see a seam. That's how intentional the fibers were, they dyed that patch in order to make it look like the rest of the shroud. So if there was going to be any dye to be found on the shroud, it was on those patches.
1: Yes. And and again, like it's been proven that they actually did match yeah. the weave with these patches. So they were not obvious. They were like, right. it's crazy how they did this, but those patches would have been mostly around the edges and the edges yeah. were where most of this testing came from anyway,
3: yes. which you're thinking, think about it logically. I mean, you're dealing with something that is an ancient relic that was highly prized by so many civilizations. Like you don't want to really damage it, but carbon dating is a destructive method. You take it, you basically put it in this mass spectrometer. It's going to burn it up. You're not going to get it back. So you want to take it from the least invasive place. What gets me is their original plan was to take it from three different places on the shroud, but they did not do that.
1: Yeah, Why, that's crazy. Why I don't know. Right. Yeah. They so all they would have had to have done is accidentally, and again, they couldn't. They said they couldn't even tell where the patches were. Yep. Gotten one of the patched areas around the edges where it wouldn't have damaged the shroud. I'm just saying it's at least possible. I'm not saying that's definitely what happened, but just the fact that they're like, no, we couldn't have because there were no patches, but it's provable that there are that always stuck out to me.
3: Yeah. I don't blame you because what is even crazier. I want to show you guys. Let me scroll down to this data table block and show you the data so you guys can see it for yourself. <laughs>
1: Ah, yes. It all makes sense now. It
3: all makes sense now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I see. uh, I'm intelligent. Numbers. Well, let's just look at some of the raw numbers. Okay, so Arizona is getting in the area of, okay, 591, 690. I mean, these are crazy different numbers for the different samples that they got. Are they any close to Oxford? No, they're very different. And Zurich, Hmm. also different. Uh, Zurich second sample aggressively different, but they're going to dare to tell me that with 95% confidence that the date of the linen is between 12,060 and 1,390, like
1: their own samples. Don't even match they, up to each other, right?
3: Though. The, the three different labs don't correspond to one another. So where are they getting this 95% confidence from?
1: Yeah.
0: Themselves. Themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and again, rather than just being like, it's inconclusive.
1: Well, that's Let's, the problem. I'd yeah. rather people were just honest yeah. on both sides of this to be like, yeah. hey, this, you know, we don't, we can't tell. Like, at least right. say that. I don't yeah. know.
0: We don't know. But you won't that would be that, more
3: so. acceptable. But like you were saying about the headline, when that headline came out in the 1980s, like. Yeah, shroud of yeah. Turin disproved. Not the burial cloth of Jesus. It's a fraud. Mm. It's a fake. It was made during medieval times. That's all people cared about was the headline.
0: Mm. Yep.
1: Doesn't matter that the samples are wildly off from each other, or nope. the labs are wildly off from each other on conclusions. Nope. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I I love the story that comes after this because I I feel a little bit uh, for Susan Bedford. She. Saw the Shroud of Turin for the first time and was so moved by it. She dug into the science of it mm. and saw like the very uh, scientific mishandling of the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Like with how intense the start project was, you think they would be a little bit more careful of where they sampled the shroud. But she was the first one to propose that they had sampled from these patched areas and like you were saying ray rogers was like no there's no patched areas like that doesn't exist i'll prove it right now in fact i'll take (laughs) this little piece that i have stick it in my microscope i'll take a picture and i'll send it to you he does that oh yeah you can see the clear combination between cotton and linen
1: again that's my my whole point on this there's no patches was their argument yeah but that's not true no
0: no, just because they restored it so well. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. All it took was a five-second
3: look under a microscope. Why didn't they do that in the first place? Yeah, that's the... yeah. Uh,
4: we had this conversation off stream a couple weeks ago, I think, of like, why do people who believe in something lie about it? Yeah. Even, because normally I would think in terms of if you're lying about it, it's because you know you're lying about it. Right. But it seems like there are people who believe something so desperately that they're willing to lie about it to make you believe it too right. it's a strange human tendency
1: that's what i'm saying it's just yeah. happening on both sides where people who believed in it so much that they were willing to lie about certain data and there's people who wanted to disprove it so much that they were willing to lie about it and any honest look at this you're seeing that's happening from both ends of it and it's right. it's interesting again the people who are like this is definitely blood and it's like but it's not though yeah like right. why why lie about that
3: it is really frustrating, and it made researching it very difficult. It mm-hmm. made it difficult to know who to trust. But again, when you have people like Ray Rogers, who was an atheist and didn't believe it and still doesn't believe, well, he's passed away since then, but didn't believe it up until that moment that it was actually the Shroud of Jesus. He, he just had this thing that atheists always say, say you know, I can't prove it now. With the technology we have now. Right. Right. But we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So carbon dating didn't help us. Uh, a new type of radiometric dating um, was used called wide angle x-ray scattering or waxes. I like this method so much more. Let me show you guys. <laughs>
1: what did the wax mom, come up with?
3: Wax uh, wax on, wax on, <laughs> on.
0: Sorry, I got That's that my reference. In- <laughs> There's my intelligence. I Captain
1: America today. <laughs> I got that reference.
3: <laughs> <sighs> okay, so the waxes instrument is basically used to analyze the crystalline structure of different substances, including fibers and linens. I like this better for fibers and linens than I like carbon dating because in carbon dating you have to basically assume a time of death for the organic material. Mm-hmm. Assuming a time of death for a linen cloth, I mean, yeah. not great, right? Yeah, uh, A living organism, okay, that's a little bit better, but you're, you're trying to figure out when the, the plant died and was then used for linen. But actually looking at the crystalline structure, I like a, a, a little bit better. The only thing I don't like about it, and this is always going to be the issue, Um, with these indirect methods is that you have to compare it to a standard and assume your standard. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Mm. Um, So yeah, yeah, you have to assume that a different textile at the same time was correctly dated. Um, But if you're looking at the textiles, composite makeup to confirm the date, rather than hoping your calculations for measuring these infinitesimally small (laughs) amounts of radioactive decay, are correct. It's I a feel little better. bit less
0: assuming. <laughs>
3: yeah. It at least <laughs> takes, I'm not saying all, it's not taking out all of the assumptions, but it's at least reducing the amount of assumption. Yes. So I, I still wouldn't say it's perfect, but it's at least an improvement mm-hmm. question mark. Right. And this method does date the sample to over 2000 years so
1: Hmm. Mm, yeah yeah Hmm. exactly so question because the other before that before the wax uh Mm -hmm. the other argument was we've found plant fibers and pollens and things like that okay
3: yes i promise we'll get there yep um the the other thing i wanted to point out uh and we mentioned earlier was the sudarium of oviato i have i actually have a picture of this one (laughs) be so proud of me well if my computer will let me do it
1: <laughs> yay, <laughs> jess heck. just ordered a new computer yesterday guys
3: yay guys yay. we are upgrading <laughs> hopefully i'll sound and look better what so the heck is this, <laughs> this sudarium of oviato so this was thought to be the cloth that was draped over jesus's head after he was taken off the cross um and then basically before he was washed before he was washed yeah and used to care for them, basically. Preserve so this doesn't have
1: the image of the face in it.
3: No, yeah, it doesn't. Well, yes and no.
1: What are you okay. saying, Abby? It just—I yes, I did. didn't see it in that picture. That's all I was getting at.
3: Um,
1: or was I does, wrong? It just looked like blood.
3: Yeah, it's it's primarily blood. But uh, do I have a matchup?
1: Hold on. Or is there a negative image of that as well that also shows a face? That's what I'm curious about.
3: It, it doesn't show a face outline. But it's a blood work that matches up with how it's placed along the face. Let me.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I I guess because there's a theory I want to get to at the end of this that would make a ton of sense. It seems to prove my point further, but we'll get back to it.
3: Okay. Here's it overlaid with
1: the shroud. Okay. So you're saying the blood on the. the Right. matches the size and shape of the face oh right. without okay. without having just, the facial right detail yeah. of, okay yes yeah Interesting. And, and
3: this will make sense when i present my last point um sure. because this was put on him then taken off and folded and put it put aside in the tomb like it says uh in scripture and then the shroud was laid over him and then right was right stone in front of the tomb yes okay i think it's really cool um because there's so much human DNA left on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main stains, it's evidence that the man's face died in an upright position. And that's because it contains both blood and pleur I'm going to try and say this right, pleural edema. I'm not saying it right. It's basically this liquid that collects in your lungs um, p- when you're suffocating. Which would have happened during crucifixion. On a, yeah, on a Absolutely. cross. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so wow. during asphyxiation. I, I, and when he's taken off the cross, the jostling of the body would have made it come out the nose. So
1: I had smile. no idea about this. I didn't, I never actually looked into the, oh, uh, whatever you call it, the...
3: The sudarium.
1: Sudarium. Can but I didn't... So I didn't Abby know that sequester. was actually blood. That like That's mm-hmm. provably blood. Okay, wow. sorry, provably go ahead, blood. Abby. Yes.
4: I think it's interesting that we have... A thing that is arguably has Jesus's like actual blood on it right which blood is is something that's actually super important in the Bible yes yeah and nobody talks about it the way that they talk about this thing that has his allegedly image. his yeah. image on it because they care so much more about an image than his blood which right. is central to the gospel.
1: That might be a Catholic mm. thing though.
4: It is such honest. a Catholic thing. It is such right. a Catholic thing. The Catholics are the, yeah. looking
3: after both, so
1: Do you I think do the Sudarium
3: is real? Of I, I, I feel a, I do feel a lot better about the Sudarium than I do the shroud. Okay. Really? It, okay. Yeah.
4: That's awesome. I mean, arguably it could have been any crucifixion victim.
3: Arguably. Or um, similarly.
4: I, what is maybe I missed it, but like, what is the strongest evidence that it is actually Jesus's?
3: It's the pattern of the blood stains. So there are smaller blood stains here. Let me let me pull up. So, that. what you're
1: saying is that the evidence would have to correspond with the shroud, though, right? Okay, yeah,
3: um, it definitely corresponds with the shroud. So you have the main stains, you would not get this with a Typical crucifixion victim because there are smaller droplet stains that would have come from the crown of thorns, um, yeah. as well as these other very mm. symmetrical stains. Right, a typical crucifixion victim is not going to have all of these extra wounds on the face that we know are clearly documented in scripture.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, this is the one part of this aspect I never looked into because I just assumed it was. Uh, I just assumed it was bunk. The whole thing so yeah that's interesting
3: um it is conclusively a b blood which is the most common type of blood of the jewish people at the time oh interesting I, yeah okay. i thought mm-hmm. that was interesting yeah. um the length of the nose which the flu- that extra fluid came out onto the yeah. saudarium has been calculated to be eight centimeters uh just over three inches this is the exact same length of the nose on the shroud exact okay. same
0: that's all right amazing
1: I want to put a pin in part of this that I really want to get to, but I know we have to set up something else first, but we do. So remind me.
0: Okay.
3: Um, so yeah, it it appears that it was placed on the face, right. To absorb the blood. Um, a small stain, uh, is also available, visible from the right side of the man's mouth. The stain is hardly visible, but Dr. John Jackson using that V eight, uh, that we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. uh, use enhancements to confirm its presence. Let me
1: see. Was this carbon dated?
3: Yes, this one was carbon dated and confirmed to be uh, over 2,000 years old. So this one was actually carbon dated correctly based on their measurements.
1: So what you're saying is if it's possible that according to the wax, it's possible right. that they would have just carbon dated the shroud, right? They would find yep. that both of these are dated to the same, yep,
3: to the same time. time. Yep.
1: Okay. Interesting. Wow. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, that is crazy.
3: Yeah, so I think the sudarium <laughs> is really cool. Uh,
1: th- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think
0: that's a big deal. It's, it's a Okay. Big can I
1: can I bring up yeah. something about the Sud- I, I'm I'm not okay, trying to cut ahead, ahead of your notes because I don't have no, them in good. front of me, but no, you're fine. the sudarium when you look at it you can see that it is a wraparound. Like yep. the, the blood would come from the side and when you lay it out, mm-hmm. it's it's not a face, right? right. So um, what's interesting about the shroud is that it's not a wraparound. This was actually an argument against it. I actually think it's an mm-hmm. argument for it when we get into why I think it makes sense. But I'm just going to show this picture again. There's no wraparound. This is a picture right. of a face. Yeah, it is not right. like if it was blood, if the argument, and again, I, it's not even an argument anymore. But if the argument, right. is, if it was blood, it would have had to have come from Wrap around, and when you laid it flat, the ears would have been like you know two feet apart. Right, there's no wrap around. Mm. This is not this is not blood that would have come from someone that was wrapped over. Right, it is an image, a picture, and sorry, I just think that's important. But also, so like that was an argument against it that it's not a wrap around, therefore it's not blood. But. The thing that it's always got to me, I think the thing that that first made me go, this has to be real, is the how, like, they can't recreate this thing, right? Or am I wrong on this? No, I'm not trying to cut ahead of you, but like,
3: yeah, we're going to get to it, but no, they can't recreate it, really. Um,
0: And that's the crux that I was talking about. Okay. okay. So I'm not trying to get ahead
1: of you guys. I just, I have so many thoughts on this.
4: No, (laughs) okay. there's a lot like, let's get ahead. (laughs) So you're
3: saying, (laughs) Abby's just going to make me skip all my notes. (laughs) It's all good.
4: We buried the lead so deep. We um, did. I know. I'm sorry, guys. But this can't be replicated. No, nope. it can't. Not by any means that we know of. So, okay. <laughs> except
1: without uh, for alien technology that we got so, uh, during the Eisenhower administration.
3: W- we'll save the pollen data Alex and limestone data for for extra. <laughs> let let us just let's get to okay. the lead. Okay. okay. Um. So let's just say, for argument's sake, it's a fake. If you were to create a fake of the shroud, would you first put down the blood and then draw the image of the man, or would you draw the image of the man and then put down the blood?
1: One of the arguments I've heard is that they would take uh, an actual person, put paint or blood over them, and then drape the cloth over them. Like that was the the closest I've heard to them trying to say, like this is how it be created. Yeah,
0: interesting. Yeah, but you could only do that for not even a count. It couldn't even, I don't know, Mill- right. Milliseconds. Midiscule many, many, yeah. Yeah. Second. Right.
3: Boom. Like, boom. Down up. And it still would soak too deep. Yep. In order for it to be accurate. Yep. Because the shroud, uh, the image of the man is over the bloodstain. So if you were to paint it, like if you were, the, it, let's say it was made by paint, right? You would not paint on bloodstains first and then try and paint a man over it, right? Right. Right. You would paint the man and then put the blood on but that's not how the image comes up it's the blood and then the image of the man
1: but i thought he said it wasn't blood there was some, no, sorry some certain parts th- are certain, let me show you certain parts are blood yeah let me show you on the picture the, you're talking about these parts here yes, these white yes, parts the white are oh, the tiny so there is documents. blood on but it. the image of the face is not blood
3: right right right
1: the, this so the, are, the, the are wounds the, the wounds that would have came from the crown of thorns right. are are blood
4: So you're saying basically that they washed him. Right. And then there's
3: some. There's some after leakage just coming.
4: Well, even though they
1: washed him, he's got these huge wounds in his head. I imagine some blood would still be leaking out. So that
3: part goes deeper. Right. Than the rest of the image. Correct. So it is believably blood. Correct. And and that's where they've gotten the iron from that I was talking about earlier. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I think that's where the guy originally tried to make the claim that that iron was a a paint pigment. But that Mm -hmm. also turned out not to be true. Right. Yep yeah
3: um so father francis frank dalton one of the foremost experts and i hate saying experts but it actually applies in this case Mm -hmm. um for the shroud basically uh claimed this right that the the blood was underneath the image of the man I, i i didn't believe this at first and so i dug into it and there are paper after paper after paper just confirming (laughs) the fact that the blood came first and then the image of the man which i i think is really important right because if it's a if it's a fake i mean that that's hard to do even if you're thinking oh they laid the guy down and
1: there's a there's a man i don't know i don't know if you have him in your notes who's made a career out of trying to duplicate this yes and he's been doing it for decades and decades and decades. And he's come up so with these hard. crazy techniques using modern technology, even that cannot get this done. Right. I mean, if you spend decades trying to make something that I'm supposed to believe was a mid-cent- mid 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 century forgery that was just meant to garner money. Right. right. That this is this is where it really changed my mind on this, right? Is I agree. If you're making a forgery, do you use technology hundreds of years beyond you in a way that modern day scientists and artists cannot recreate to sell? Right. People would have believed, like, I'm sorry, but like you could have painted an image on a cloth and some people would have believed it and given you money. Yeah. We know this was true because other people did it.
4: Right. (laughs) Yes. And this feels like, is this a good time for me to bring up my little side
3: thing? Okay. I'd be bringing up your side thing.
4: So I was just in D.C., and I visited the National Gallery of Art, and I saw this painting um, that we have.
1: I got it. It oh, is somewhere.
4: Go. This is called it. the, the Veil vale of Veronica. It's painted by Domenico Fetti um, in the early 1600s, so like 1606-ish. Uh, and the Veil vale of Veronica is this uh, alternate Shroud of Turin thing that the 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 story goes that while jesus was on his way to golgotha um veronica stopped and gave him her veil and he wiped his face with it and his face transferred over and it doesn't actually exist only copies right. of it exist so it's mm-hmm. not believed in to the extent today sure. that this trout of turn was but at the time that um this guy painted this it was believed in it was thought mm-hmm. to be real um but the thing that stands out to me about it is that he painted the Shroud of Turin. Interesting. Yeah. Like this, that's the face from the Shroud of Turin. Ah.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It isn't is, it? isn't it? Yeah, it is.
1: Yeah.
4: So <laughs> it's almost like so- somebody decided to do a fraud mm-hmm. and they just modeled it on the <laughs> after, after the yeah. Shroud. You know? Yeah. And um, there's another. There's an image of it um, of a statue of Veronica. There's a statue of Veronica that stands in Saint Peter's Basilica uh, with with the uh, veil, and you can't really see it in this image, but there is kind of like a pencil drawing of of Jesus' face yeah, yeah. there, and it's it Enhance. it almost looks enhanced. enhanced. <laughs> the drawing on the sculpture looks even more like the shroud in its details than uh Domenico's painting with mm-hmm. with the big nose right um so i just found this fascinating of like this if you could go back to the painting i think that's the best painting you're gonna get of if 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 you're if you're duplicating this in paint this is somebody right. who a very very good artist painting um something on obviously this is on canvas not linen but like, that's the best you could get as far as mm-hmm. doing it with paint. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But the thing that kind of stands out to me about the image on the shroud and and this is in Isaiah 53, it says, He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him.
2: Mm.
4: And that's something that almost everybody ignores because it's inconvenient, especially people who, like, try to find some sort of image of Jesus. It's right. He was ugly, right?
3: Like this no, is he the thing. no, he was in fully, to worship.
1: he was fully God and fully man. Right. Right. And I think people want to ignore that part where he was fully man and yeah. that people mm-hmm. wouldn't have known by looking at him
3: yeah. that he was right. God
1: because he was human in his form.
2: Right. And I but think like that goes human. back to the
1: Byzantine empire. Why would you put a form of a man who looks normal and right. even yeah. a little bit lopsided on the, uh, in the eyebrows and things like that. Right.
4: It's not just, nor- I mean, this is, I would consider this an ugly man. Like I, he's, he's not, I mean, maybe it's because I'm not Jewish and I don't appreciate um, like the, the facial structure that would have been maybe more common. But I, Isaiah 53, I take Isaiah 53 to be like, not right. just he's normal looking, but he's, he's ugly. Like he has got no beauty that we should desire him. There's nothing physically about him that anyone was like, no one was following him because he was a good looking guy. Right.
1: Right. Exactly.
4: Yep. That he was a little bit off putting in that way. Like that's at least how I take it. There's
1: something and I will try to find this later, but there's something in the new Testament as well to that effect Mm -hmm. uh, where I believe it was like the, the Pharisees or the Sadducees or something were saying like, this guy's kind of chubby and like, not (laughs) doesn't look like God, you know? Right. Yes. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So I, I, I do find that an interesting corroboration of you have an image on the shroud that, that matches up with how he's described in Isaiah 53 It's just not,
3: not a good looking person mm. right
1: mm-hmm. yeah okay question are you ready yeah okay unless you had to, unless you were ready to go you ahead ready for guess.
3: the big reveal yeah yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay okay, okay so if it's not paint it's not blood what if it's light
1: that's where i want to go I with this
3: it. good yeah. okay um So we know that there's no chemical that could possibly be the cold threat, right? Any type of chemical, be it blood, paint, anything else, would have seeped deep into the fibrils. No sweat, lactic acid, whatever could have created such an image. And I mentioned at the very beginning that the depth of this image is about 200 to 500 nanometers into the cloth. Not even a whole fiber of the cloth is imprinted with the image of the man. Remember, this is smaller than the width of your hair, right, hmm. one strand of hair. <laughs> yep. All right, so microscopic examination reveals the man's image um, the result in the resulting yellow to be found on those very superficial fibers, right? Only light right. could be possible to create such an image. And this is the thing they have been able to do to at least recreate the stain if nothing else. So let me pull up some of the fibers that they've come up with. Okay. So here's a linen cut. If you guys, I know it's really tiny. I'll try and zoom in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So this is a, enhance. Li- enhance. <laughs> enhance, this is a linen fabric cut after uh, radiation. Right. So here's here's a normal linen. And this was irradiated with lots and lots of light. So we start to kind of see that. But the problem is when they were first trying to do it, either they wouldn't get the color at all or it would go too deep and burn the fabric or it would fade away. Oh, Mm -hmm. I wondered about that because it's 2000 years old. Right. Yeah. Oh, le- like the coloring would fade away, would like fade. it would go back to the image. Yeah, the image would disappear. Which I thought was really interesting.
0: That's interesting.
3: It's very interesting. <laughs> All right, This would explain how you get that three dimensional perfect image, right? We see it so clearly when we get that yeah. negative image. Yeah. Um, so let me pull up another one. Sorry, I, I have all of these crazy articles.
1: No, it's all good. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sitting on pins and needles because I'm like, I'm waiting for you to get to it because I have things to say.
0: I know. I just had to swim hook said, dang, they used a laser printer in the 1500s. <laughs> <to> make- <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You
3: expect me to believe that they had lasers? <laughs> that, well, maybe that's a thing for But realistically, <laughs> back in medieval times. Yeah. yeah. Right. So here we go. Realistically,
1: that's the only way this thing was made, right? Right.
3: Right. So, I mean, they've, they've tried really hard to recreate it with light. I mean, you can see how the light has stained the fibers. Um, and it takes an extremely high powered laser, right? It was attempted in 2019 with a femtosecond pulse laser that was putting in huge quantities of light energy and extremely short, short pulses. Um mm-hmm. and last one, I swear.
1: Wow. Well, so, oh, sorry, go ahead, and then I want to say something.: Yeah,. <laughs> Are you? OK. All
3: right, yeah, yeah, I got it. So this is the closest they could come to recreating the image with that femtosecond pulse laser. I mean, it's not perfect. It's closer it's than the, any of
1: the paintings it's though. It's
3: closer yes. than any of the paintings that they had. Okay. So,
1: so to sum this up what I've read is that in order to get the image the way that it is on a cloth like that to that right. lasts is that depth is all that yep. it would take a, a light brighter than the sun for less than a millionth of a second hitting this cloth. Correct. Yep.
3: It would take 34 thousand billion watts of energy to create such an image
1: for and just again for, for less than like a millionth of a second like this insanely short right. time
3: insanely short time right just for comparison um, here here's the Dallas Cowboys Stadium yep. Hmm. yep and this is how much light they're putting out like crazy amounts of light right that would not be enough yeah not even
0: close that's crazy
1: so so what I always think of and what makes the most sense to me, and I'm going to take this to a very religious standpoint is yes, I think, I think that this is not just, I think people were taking this too small. I think that trying to claim this is just proof that Jesus died and had a cloth on him and that it matches up to the Byzantine empire and it's blood and all these things. I think that's way too small. I think this is the transfiguration. Yep. I think this is showing. I agree. I think that this is p- not proof just of Jesus's life, death and burial that it's proof of the, the resurrection I think that's why this is so Mm -hmm. incredibly important and so interesting because if this was created by a flash of light for that amount of time the only thing you could compare this to in the Bible is the transfiguration on Mount Sinai Mm -hmm. is the blackening of a mountaintop that's still blackened to this day
0: yes
3: right and if that's what happened during the transfiguration imagine how much brighter and more powerful the light would have been during the resurrection
1: yes yes and that's yes. my yeah. point. Again, Ooh. science cannot Goosebumps. explain this other right. than an insane amount of light was put onto a cloth for an insanely short amount of time that no yeah. a photo couldn't do. And I think the proof is right. right in the fact that in 1898 or whatever you said, that how we really saw right. this shroud yeah. was through a photo negative because it's an yep. x-ray. Because right. that's what this is. This is, this is x-ray it's technology x-ray. beyond our comprehension 2,000 years ago. Right.
3: Mm, yeah. Yes. Right.
1: This is what creates wow. the 3d image. This is what makes it not a wraparound image. This is what makes it not blood. This is what makes it not penetrate. The cloth is something that, and Elise was telling me this, that when she looked into it, there was people trying to prove that they had photo technology in the 1300s to recreate <laughs> yes. this thing. And I'm like, come on.
0: Yes they they went so far to disprove any of this that they would be like well obviously they could take pictures then i was like okay exactly.
1: uh, onto clo- onto linen
0: onto on linen cloth onto yeah. linen cloth
1: that over top of of yeah. trace amounts of blood
0: yes yeah so
4: okay question one of the reasons one of the the primary reasons i always thought this was fake was i was like god wouldn't have allowed an image of himself to Exist because he specifically told us not to make any, and it just seems like he didn't want that, he didn't want people to worship an image. But if it exists as proof of the resurrection, right, and then is further like inconvenient because he's ugly, (laughs) um, just like I I guess I I can get past that.
1: (laughs) Well, also, I would say telling us not to do something is not the same as him not doing
4: doing it. it. Well, certainly, yes, certainly. Certainly and it's not like because I think if we're creating if the image as humans, we're yeah. going
1: to make this overly right. perfect um, mm-hmm. yeah and 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 worship the image and not God. And I think that's still right. a, a case that should be made yes. is that right. p- worshiping the shroud of turn is the wrong thing. I think it's fascinating, yes. yeah, but I'm not gonna go, I'm not, not gonna go it. stand and bow in front of this image right
3: right right. Yeah, and my faith doesn't hinge on it being real no. right you know. Uh, I am amazed to find it to be real or to believe it to be real now after doing all of this digging. Right. But I, I had my faith before I even knew about the Shroud.
1: And when I thought it right. was fake, it didn't change anything.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It yeah, didn't yeah. change a thing. When it came well, out, I dismissed it because it was like, whatever, right. I don't need that. I don't need, exactly. you know. exactly. So yeah, it- it's super fun to dig into it, but.
4: And that's how it should changes. be, right? Like we yeah. read the Bible and we believe it because God gave it like, God said this and we believe it. And then when something is proven, it's really nice. It's like, Oh, that's a nice bonus.
1: The Bible also says it's a wicked generation that asks for signs and miracles. And I think that's because if you're hinging your faith on the signs and miracles, you're misplacing Mm. it. I think, I think signs and miracles bolster our faith. Just like I think the shroud of Turin and all of this stuff can bolster our faith, but placing your faith in it is the mistake. Yes. And again, that's because if you're placing your, your faith in this thing, and and you have to have these things, how many times are you going to be deceived by other false things? Like, right. do do we really think that the Catholic Church has the actual crown of thorns? I'm not sure that I do, and it wouldn't matter either way. Matter.
3: Right, yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: But if I place my faith in in, in images and in, in miracles, and then it turns out the, the the crown of thorns is fake, does that shake my faith? And that's mm. the, the issue, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what Abby and I talk about a lot on here, because we are... That's more of what we talk about. Are these? I think you mean
1: Jess? Don't oh, steal my no. co-host.
0: Yeah, she, she's mine please now. Please steal me. <laughs> please. Oh my god. Please. Oh, please. <laughs> no, don't leave me with PJ. <laughs> That's true. I would. I would never do that. Too, Jess. <laughs> Thank you. Me and somebody talk about this often. I don't know. <laughs> Whoever her name. Whatever. Is. Whatever. <laughs> no, but Justin and I do because it's like we we find these things and we talk about them and it's kind of cool to be like, see how this like kind of points to this at the very least but it's not because it's like don't you do you believe now do you believe now if we show you this do you believe now it's like no no this is just really a cool way of like nodding to god like hey thanks for that cool little whatever nothing changes nothing it but it does bolster your faith but it doesn't it does. But Make I sure.
1: wouldn't try to bring someone to faith by the shroud of tomb,
0: <laughs> right? You know I mean,
1: like that. If that's what right. it takes, absolutely. yeah, no, I think right. it's more than that, yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you
3: need scientific evidence for Christ, I mean, you're you're never going to have faith because you need something else to lean on mm-hmm. instead of faith itself, instead of Christ alone. Right. Yeah.
4: You have to have an... <laughs> you. You have to make a conscious choice to overcome your faith in the thing that you're already believing in, because it's not, it's not faith versus logic as they like to believe. Yeah.
3: Science is a faith in in and of itself. I mean, look at carbon dating. You're basing everything on so many assumptions that at some point you're taking something on faith. So you have to, you have to choose what you're going to believe in. right
4: Right. swim
1: hook actually gave us the uh the energy and speed that i was i was kind of just going off the top of my head (laughs) it was actually 1.21 gigawatts at 88 miles per hour that's (laughs) (laughs) okay
4: nailed it nice
1: is that another reference abby more
4: reference what is it
1: is that another reference that you won't get 1.21 gigawatts at 88 miles per hour
4: i thought i did and then maybe i didn't what is it from it's back to the back
0: future. to the future. That, that's what oh, I okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I did. That's I, I got it. To.
4: I totally did. Yeah, she,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. You say that now knew. that I told you.
4: <laughs> you made me question myself. I was like, yeah, I got it. And then, Maybe I you made her doubt. PG. Yeah, how could you? Yeah,
1: that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's making her doubt herself and then mansplaining it to her. Ah, uh, yeah. I yeah, checked out. It.
3: <laughs> Well, there are two more pieces of scientific data that are kind of fishy and I'd love to cover, but I think it'd be good to cover it with just our friends over at Rumble and Odyssey. Okay. Sounds what good. Do you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you guys so much for being here with us tonight. Uh it's been super fun. What's coming up on Conspiracy Pill this week? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Okay. That's I'm oh, just find. kidding. What what are we doing? <laughs> he just like deer in the headlights.
1: No, I'm not a deer in the headlights. My audio cut out right oh, when you asked oh. me and I had to go in and fix it real quick. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I'm thinking about covering um Nazi UFOs. So
2: Yeah. <laughs> <Of course. laughs>
1: <laughs> the the uh we're, we're going to be talking about the uh, alien technology that was given to Hitler in the 1930s. So uh it's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah.
0: I love it. I love it. Sounds amazing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I can't wait. Uh, Can't wait.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, For quirks this week, like we kind of teased, I'll be talking about carbon dating and the fossil record. Some of the sacraments of science. Super excited about that, but we needed to do this first. So thank you guys for showing up today making this happen. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Glad we were finally able to get this episode out.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Me too. Surprise. It's been a time around the demons. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, don't forget our Locals community is launching this week. We're going to put out our first episode of Quirks or Quacks. Lisa and I are going to sit down and look into some TikToks, Instagram Reels, see if they're legit or not. And because tonight was such a special bonus, we are doing a special get a one-month free trial in our Locals community by using code Shroud. One night only, guys. So go to quirksofcreation.locals.com. To get a one month free trial over at our locals. We'd love to have you guys there. Yay. Yay. Do it. So excited. Yeah, do it. That's where the cool people are.
1: I'm
3: <laughs> there. So, PJ's there. Even right. though PJ's there,
1: that's still where the cool <laughs> people are. <laughs> All
3: right. Thank you guys so much for listening and being here. Don't forget to stick around for uh, Rumble and Odyssey chats. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.